Scream 101. Now, now it's recording. Well, welcome back to Scream 101, <laughs> Brennan. My name is Sergio, and you're Brennan. Yes, I am. Okay. So, Brennan, what brings us here this week? Uh, well, we are here to uh, you know, deliver the promise from last week. We're going to be talking about Frankenstein. But first, let's review movies we watched in the past week in 10-word reviews. All right. So, beginning with this movie that is titled... The Curse of La Llorona. Not how it's spelled on my notes, but okay. So, an attempt was made, scares were had, and I demand a culturally faithful sequel. Ooh. And my review is, La Llorona's really crying about how lame this movie is. It's true. That's good. I, hats off to you. Thank not you. wearing a hat, but I tip my hat off to oh, you. Thank you. And I know we, we haven't really talked about my La Llorona marathon on this podcast. La Llorona. Yes. Um, the, the, that's been going on over at my other podcast, Attack of the Queer Wolf, which you should be listening to. Also, check out my articles on Dread Central and AlternateEnding.com. Also about same. I wrote a lot of stuff about La Llorona. I was very excited. Yeah, Brennan has enough for a, for a thesis, you guys. Basically. Not a thesis, scratch a book. Ooh. A book is what we do in the real world. Yes, it is. So get ready to write that book. Uh, I am so ready. But first, before I, before I sit down to write, let's talk about Frankenstein. Um, from 1931, here's the plot. This iconic horror film follows the obsessed scientist Dr. Henry Frankenstein, Colin Clive, as he attempts to create life by assembling a creature from body parts of the deceased. Aided by his loyal, misshapen assistant Fritz, Dwight Fry, Frankenstein succeeds in animating his monster, Boris Karloff. But confused and traumatized, it escapes into the countryside and begins to wreak havoc. Frankenstein searches for the elusive being and eventually must confront his tormented creation. So, um, this movie has very little to do with the actual novel Frankenstein, which in fact ends on a boat in the Arctic, I believe. I've never read it. Surprise. Why are there DVDs in my bookshelf? Um, That's where uh, they just needed a home temporarily. Okay. Continue, Brennan. You put them there. I did not put the DVDs there. Okay. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> no one can see it anyway. Continue. But, yeah. It, it, it switches up the names from her novel as well. Instead of Victor Frankenstein, we get Henry Frankenstein. And Victor is a character in the movie. He's just his brother who's kind of milling around in the background. Yeah. Victor doesn't do much. Really does a disservice to the real Victor Frankenstein when you think about it. <laughs> not my Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> not mine. And by real Victor Frankenstein, you mean um, James McAvoy from that movie from 2015, right? Yeah, where he plays like... He like plays Frankenstein, doesn't he? Yeah, that was my joke. Okay. He's the only He's the only version that matters. Yes. The only one. Yeah. I've never seen... That. Yes, Brennan. The only one that matters. I'm just, I was just making a joke because nobody liked that movie. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> we rate all of our movies out of five on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. So why don't we start with scariness? What's your rating? One. Okay. I mean, fair. Yeah. But look, um, just like how you gave Dracula an inordinately unfair scariness score, I'm going to be a little bit kinder to it and go with a two. Because mm-hmm. I think, I mean, obviously for the time, horror existed, but not really in the form that 
Frankenstein and Dracula were kind of creating. Um, they both came out in the same year, 1931. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say there is that scene. Obviously, there's a super famous scene of Frankenstein playing with flowers with this little girl. And they're throwing the flowers into the river. And he throws her into the river because he doesn't know, you know, how things work. And she dies. And her father ends up carrying her through the entire town. Like, her limp body in mm-hmm. his hands like a rag doll. Yep. And I was like, that must have been so just unfathomably intense in mm-hmm. 1931 because mm-hmm. i was feeling it now mm-hmm. in the year of our lord 2019 yeah i was thinking of doing that thing that i used to do and still occasionally do where it's like had i seen this in the time period like i would have been freaked out but i feel like that does a disservice to people in that time period who i don't know would have been scared by the same visuals that i saw because they weren't that freaky or scary so well i mean you have to consider you know, peop- there's the story of like um, one of the first images projected on film ever to a public audience was of a train pulling into the station, and people were scared of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the the moving image was a very new thing, mm-hmm. and the Frankenstein monster I think probably packed a lot more of a punch mm-hmm. when you, it's he's not filtered through literally a a f- almost a full century of knockoffs. And, like, him being on Valentine's card. Like, you know, just, like, infinite character branding for Mm -hmm. that thing. So, like, looking at Boris Karloff the monster for the first time in 1931 must have been a completely different experience than what we could ever possibly conceive of having in 2019. Okay, fair. Um, So that's why I'm giving it a two instead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that's still not a lot. Uh, Uh Look, this movie is much less desultory and boring than Uh Dracula is. But it's Uh still, it's got its large amount of talking moments that mm-hmm. are not involving monsters mm-hmm. there was a good suspenseful element to it um i thought it did fairly well um i think the shots were beautiful i guess that's more of an overall quality thing mm-hmm. but there you was talk one, about it. anything you want there was one point uh there was a at one point in the movie you saw the shots or reaction shots of three of the characters agreeing to see the monster uh-huh. or agreeing to follow henry frankenstein into his lair mm-hmm. um and we you just go through them one by one, like nodding, nodding, nodding. It's like a single nod too. Yeah. Uh, and so that, I thought that was a really suspenseful kind of thing where it's like, okay, are they going to like speak up? What are they going to do? They're just quietly nodding. So it's like yeah. they understand how uh, serious the situation yeah, the, the is. Gravity. Yeah. So I thought that was really good. Um, but that was probably the one thing I thought the point that you brought up was also really good. You know, seeing that little girl just be faint and limp. I was surprised that she was able to be faint and limp because I feel like that would have been hard to do for a child. Um, is is this conversation colored by the um, all the annoying Easter children in our neighborhood being all rambunctious on chocolate eggs and stuff? Um, yes, but also I recently, not recently, but I've seen Kill Bill 2. And I've seen when that sleeping child is asleep and then they have to like slightly move her and then she's clearly not asleep. Um, like the actress, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So I realized that having to play not awake is hard for children. Oh, yeah. No, and she really commits. She's flopping all around mm-hmm. like a fish. Mm-hmm. That must have been fun, actually. Yeah. For her. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's, uh, that is that. Oh, I also love the, there's like a William Castle-esque, like, sticky gimmick at the beginning of a guy coming out on screen in front of like mm-hmm. a... A curtained stage and say like kind of warning you away from the movie he's like 
you are going to see some very horrifying images that you could never conceive of. So leave now if you have a weak stomach or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that that was kind of fun. I did not know Frankenstein had that um, that sort of setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was good. Um, and the one thing I would say about this movie, we did, it wasn't like a Blu-ray or anything, was it? We were watching it on the legacy DVD that Universal put out a couple of years ago. Okay. The picture was astounding. It was very crisp. It was all very clear. It was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. No, it was later than Dracula, wasn't it? It was later, but the same year. Oh, so not much later. Yeah. Because it was worlds better than that movie or that DVD that we saw. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, honestly, I never suspect that when a company puts out just a whole collection of their own stuff on like one DVD case Mm -hmm. that it's not, I always assume it's not going to be that good, Uh but so far so good. Yeah. I don't want to be like a shill for this release packet of this movie or whatever. Um, but no. it was good. Like no, I it, was blown away by how crisp the images were um, and how just – I don't want to say faithful because I honestly don't know what wherever the setting was it's supposed to look like at that uh-huh. time period. But it was really just all kind of lush. Oh, yeah. No, it was – I mean there are actual images that are compelling in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to see them really well presented even though it's not – on like blu-ray or 4k or anything fancy like that yeah just seeing the villagers having a fun time partying i was like wow this is a really pretty movie yeah and also like the lack of kind of film grain or the kind of jittery quality that certain old movies have when they're not properly preserved Uh um it just helps you be more in the story Uh especially because look we can i know both of us are capable of watching black and white films we both loved roma mm-hmm. we're not like you know those heathens who cannot handle a movie not being in color mm-hmm. but there is a sense when you're watching an old movie of a sort of remove from mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. you're like this isn't my what i recognize as cinema today yeah but that definitely helped reduce that uh-huh Anyway, this package is great. Yeah. So we'll, can, see, we'll see if the next movies have the same level of care. All right. So continuing on to campiness. Yeah, let's do it. Brennan, what's your campiness score? Um, I'm giving this movie two out of five. Cool. So am I. Great. Um, is there anything that stands out to you as campies particularly? Um, I mean, the guy's performance was kind of campy. Uh, Henry Frankenstein? Yeah. He was a little over the top. Oh, yeah. No, I'm... Most actors at this time were yeah, a little over the top. But yeah. It's like this is back when, you know, they were all from the theater world. So they were all used to kind of overact. I don't want to say overacting, but acting um, from for that. The, for the back rows. Yeah. So um, there was definitely a lot of that going on. Um, and sound itself was very new at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else stood out to you? Um, well... I do love the cranky old dad character, um, Henry Frankenstein's dad, who's just not satisfied with anything. Baron Frankenstein. Yes. He was annoying. Well, yeah, no, every time we cut to him, it was just him complaining incessantly about some odd thing or other, and then just, like, demanding to see his son and going up to this windmill and being like, what's happening here? This all sucks. Uh Uh-huh. He really was, like, just the most arrogant male ever. He was like, I don't understand what's going on. Clearly, my son is cheating on you. I'm going to go investigate. Make way. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's a very blustery, like, foolhardy old man. That I, that, it was funny. And then the movie ends with him surrounded by women. Oh, yeah. And they're, like, clinking glasses hoping that um, when Henry Frankenstein and his fiance eventually get down to doing the dirty, they make him a son. Uh-huh. That was nonsense. Yeah, it was, that was a weird choice. Um, especially because, like, 
the it, after Frankenstein dies, it does cut to all of the uh, um, servants, women, kind of like giggling and tittering and like walking down the hall, mm-hmm. and they're super excited to bring this wine to Henry and his wife. And I think they're just excited because uh, they're newlyweds and they're like all excited, but they're like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. we get to see the marriage bedroom. Like mm-hmm. this is kind of pervy." Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, no, that's totally right. But then the wine doesn't even go to him; it stays to the with the grandpa. Yeah, who was in the bedroom with them? Yeah, what was he doing? Who knows? Just inserting his opinion where it doesn't belong. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? Yes, they're <laughs> calling it mansplaining. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, and also, I mean, my other form of campiness is just a totally meta one because we did watch this on Easter, so I, we got to make lots of he is risen jokes. Oh yeah. <laughs> which was very fun. We're heathens. A little bit. All my friends are heathens. Oh, I'm done. Take it slow, man. So let's talk about effects. This is another one where we're gonna ha- kinda have to separate ourselves from twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um I don't know. The rain. There was rain. The rain was great. Yeah, the rain was a great effect. Um the costumes for the villagers was good. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm giving this three out of five. Do you have a numerical score you're going to... I'm going to give it two. Okay. Um, only... And it's it's an unfair two, to be, to be fair to the movie. Um, because I was expecting Frankenstein to be hit by lightning. Um, uh, and he was not. He kind of was. It's insinuated that he was, but we never really saw it. Yeah. We saw his corpse be lifted... Up to the air, uh-huh. which was a cool effect, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's where all the effect was in this movie, though, was him going up in the air and him coming back down. Well, what do you think of uh, the Frankenstein makeup, like the character design? It was okay. I mean, I guess it's literally iconic because mm-hmm. every Frankenstein sense has kind of been styled after him. Yeah. Um, I will say I love the the neck bolts. Those mm-hmm. are my favorite part of any mm-hmm. Frankenstein iteration. Is that um, in the original text? Because you no, read the absolutely book. not. Okay, the original text Frankenstein's a very different character. He's actually very erudite. He speaks English very well. He's not a like shambling zombie monster, uh-huh. and he does begin to speak more in the later installments. But it's still the like fire bad like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Frankenstein in the book is more like. How can a man know he's truly a man when, like, it's very flowery mm-hmm. um, and his construction is very different. Yeah. Yeah, because Benedict Cumberbatch did the monster, or the creature is what he's called, right? In the, the, the monster. Book. Oh, I think it's called the creature. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch played him, and that was a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody go watch that performance of Benedict Cumberbatch. Sure. Your favorite Doctor Strange as the creature. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say, look, we're we're not at at liberty to really criticize the Frankenstein makeup, which has been iconic for again, a century. Yeah. Um, but I will say I do. I mean, I think it works. I wouldn't say it's necessarily super scary to me, the makeup itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like how expressive it allows Boris Karloff to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't limit him in any way. It's more of that kind of headpiece and less of a mask. And also, I never really noticed this before, but Boris Karloff looks huge in this movie. He towers over everybody else. Mm-hmm. And his, like, just kind of abnormal lumbering figure and, like, the physical performance he gives is very very interesting and very powerful. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was good. And the effects at the end where, um, spoiler alert, the monster does not make it out. Um, he's burned, uh, and we he's at the top of a windmill. Uh-huh. Um, and we see two things happen in that scene. We see one, he disposes of his father slash creator by throwing him over the windmill, and he lands on a spike, which was pretty cool. It was probably the coolest. I mean, like one of the, one of the spires of the yeah. Fam. Sorry, I was like, he did survive. You made you make it sound like um, Roy in the end of Friday Thirteen Part Three landing like on all the farm spikes and all the blood's coming out. <laughs> okay, you're right. I misspoke. He landed <laughs> on a a windmill fan. Did I say Part Three? I meant Part Five. You did say part three. We're on this movie, though, I'm so sorry. stick with me. Um, what would you call that? Like the the spindle of a fan? I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. One of the blades of a fan? Yeah, he landed on the windmill blade, but that sounds even worse than a it spike. It does sound worse. <laughs> it sounds very dangerous. He, la- You know what we're talking about. One of about. the spokes? Maybe that's what you're trying to say? Sure. Um, he landed on that. <laughs> he became I- a spokesperson. <laughs> yes. Windmills, they're great. <laughs> you can survive clashing with one. Um, so he lands on one of those. Uh, and that was cool. Uh, that was cool. And then yeah. you slowly see the villagers kind of like throw their torches at the thing and it is engulfed in flames. Um, like it is engulfed in flames come from the inside, not from the outside, uh, which, you know, whatever. But it's a great image. It was a great image. Like it was I was like, whoa. Yeah. And um, I mean, all the sets in general are very, very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Universal, like the early Universal movies were very inspired by German expressionism in the 20s. And this one, I think, has some really great stuff, like especially the graveyard in the beginning that um, Henry Frankenstein and Fritz are stealing bodies from. Mm-hmm. The the crosses and tombstones are in these really bizarre, like crooked patterns. They're just kind of like jutting out of the earth, like jagged teeth in all different directions. Mm-hmm. Um Everything's very gnarled and twisty and huge and gothic, and it's very exciting. Yeah. Also, it is creature. So I think even in the original, it was the sapien creature. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that's why I'm giving it a three out of five. Um, I think, especially for the time, like it's very, very well constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a general atmosphere, more than anything, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so I was looking up Mary Shelley because the movie... Um, did a disservice to to literary icon Mary Shelley by renaming her Mrs. Percy Shelley. Yeah, which was very annoying. Uh huh. Um, so yeah. So it's like Percy Shelley did not write Frankenstein. No, he did not. He didn't do anything. All he did was marry her. Um, Good so move. Yeah. So I was just looking her up. Go ahead. Anyways, where were we? Uh, I mean, we're about to move on to quality score in general. Okay. This is going to surprise you. Is it? What are you going to give me? I give it a four. Really? It was good. You seemed so uninvested in it during the moment. It's so hard to tell where you're going to land on something. I like to keep things surprising. Okay. What what bumped it up that high for you? It seemed like a good movie. <laughs> it I was a good movie. It, no. <laughs> it was a good movie. I was entertained throughout. I didn't fall asleep, which was a pretty big deal given the fact that we had just come back from a hike. Yeah. And we were soaking up the nice California sun and the breezes and all that. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I stayed awake. It was a good story. And that is probably where my feelings lie the strongest on. Okay. I don't know if that sentence made any kind of sense. Yeah, it sort of does. Um, I thought the movie did a really good job of telling a story. It was very kind of story-esque. I'm okay. just repeating myself okay. over and over um, again. I'm going to um, <laughs> take this uh, the talking stick away from you. And I'm going to talk about I gave it three out of five. Okay. Just because, look, I mean, it's a classic movie. It's iconic. Okay, continue. Okay, you held up one finger. (laughs) I am getting ready. I'm formulating my thoughts. Okay. Um, It's a story. 
Yes, it is. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a lot of really good stuff in this movie. The only one of the Frankenstein movies that I'd seen before was Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and that one I did really like. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm capable of really liking Universal movies, but I still think they're in a vein of horror that doesn't necessarily speak to me, especially the really early ones when they're still figuring out exactly what they were doing. Because mm-hmm. um, this one, it does have a lot of talkie sequences, and I don't mind taking breaks from the horror, but the characters other than Henry Frankenstein just were not very compelling to me. Uh Um, And it does a thing that a lot of really early, like 30s to 50s horror and science fiction movies do where they have a lot of pomp and circumstance and flash and the science of their things. So like the Frankenstein creation process is a lot. It's like, here's him lifting into the ceiling and here's all these winches and flashing lights and all this stuff. Uh Um, But it's none of it, like most science fiction movies now will at least give you a fake explanation for what's happening mm-hmm. but in the early cinema stage they just assume you're going to be fascinated by the by the light show mm-hmm. and it's like i'm kind of not mm-hmm. the the original the fly is the same way like three times they go through the fly machine it's like this lights up this lights up mm-hmm. things go boo boo mm-hmm. i'm like i'm not really impressed by this fake science mm-hmm. um I mean, that's lame. But Mm -hmm. there's just a little bit of focus on things that I find a little tedious. That's not necessarily the movie's fault. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of stuff I really like. Did um, did you formulate something you wanted to say, though? Yeah. So we saw two movies this weekend, two horror movies that were adapted from other or other stories, one a folktale and one an actual novel. Uh I think this did a really good job of telling a story without any kind of scares. because the scares kind of take a backseat to the story, as opposed to La Llorona, mm. which focused far more on scares than staying any kind of faithful to the source That's uh, true. adaptation. Yeah, so that was one of the reasons as to why I liked the movie probably a little bit more than La Llorona. Um, I mean, that's fair. It's a much mm-hmm. better movie than La Llorona. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like this movie benefits from the fact that I haven't read the novel, so I can't say, like, oh, it's all that faithful to it. Because um, it's really not... Yeah, I know. The fact that Henry Franken... We're talking about Henry here. Yeah, like, at that level. Uh Uh-huh. So, it was probably more unfaithful than La Llorona. Um, But, I think they did a good job of, like, situating the story. Like, he was in a castle. He was doing his thing. It was was a village or something. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I'm really making shit up as I come along. (laughs) Okay. Um, I will say also that Frankenstein obviously has a lot of subtext going on in it. I think it's Mm -hmm. a very... Um, oh yeah they teach it in theory classes yeah it's a very layered theoretical film which is something I always appreciate mm-hmm. um, like obviously there's the fact that James Whale the director is a gay filmmaker and Frankenstein can definitely be read as a tale of the other being shunned by society I mean obviously Frankenstein is designed as a sympathetic monster you're not supposed to be you're not supposed to hate him mm-hmm. um, even when he's killing a little girl you understand why he did it and the misunderstanding that led to it happening. And the fact that he is chased down and murdered is a huge shame on mm-hmm. these people for not understanding him or giving him a chance. Yeah. Um, also, there's this really, like, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I, I had never seen this full movie before, but I'd seen clips and I'd seen most of it. I knew, you know, like the villagers and the windmill and the little girl and all this stuff. Yeah, I know about little girl. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even Sergio. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's a scene where he first emerges, where we first see the the monster. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we've probably used 
the word Frankenstein to refer to the monster in this podcast. And let me tell you what, I'm aware of the controversy. I'm aware that he's supposed to be called Frankenstein's monster, but who gives a shit, man? There's movies called Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I don't think they're meeting Dr. Frankenstein in that movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's not the important part. Yeah. Um, And also, if he was created by Henry Frankenstein, that means his last name is also Frankenstein, so fuck off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, so... um, yeah, there's a part where Boris Karloff, he's, uh, he's like, there's a skylight in the windmill that is being opened up, and he sees the light for the first time, and he starts reaching up towards it. Mm-hmm. That was pretty. Yeah, it's a really pretty shot, but also I definitely see it as a symbol for him being rejected by God, uh. <laughs> because he's re- literally reaching up towards the heavens, bathed by light, just kind of transfixed by it, and then Henry Frankenstein closes the shutters again, and it just... Like sends him back into shadow Mm -hmm. and he has to sit back down and he's like, I don't belong in this. Mm -hmm. And I found it very impactful. And I was like, oh, this is so sad. You were feeling for the creature? You're supposed to feel for the creature. Okay. He's just, he doesn't understand the world and the world does not give him a chance to try. Okay. It's very sad. Uh It's only going to get sadder. Okay. Get ready, Bride of Frankenstein. I'm ready. Anyway, um... Next week, actually, is an important thing. I'm going to tell you what we're doing. But first, here's how you can get in contact with the show. You can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. Find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, whatever. Subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. Um, Yeah, so... Usually in the month of May, in order to give Sergio time to do finals and all that stuff, um, we will release pre-recorded episodes of contemporary horror movies. But we're actually kind of switching it up this time around because yes, he has a are. a grad school project that tied in with something we're doing. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to release a very special three-part um, Scream 101 miniseries about the works of Wes Craven. It's going to mm-hmm. be very like more polished and produced and like interview based than what we normally do. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of friends of the show who are participating, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three episodes are going to air in the final three weeks of May. So for the next two weeks, you're not going to be hearing us on the airwaves. And I am sorry about that. Um, but yeah, we're taking a little tiny hiatus vacation, mm-hmm. um, doing three weeks of this mini series. And then we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming in June. Yep. So, um, if you'd like to send us any thoughts that you'd like shared, please, excuse me, feel free to send us uh, uh, an audio clip of your thoughts on Wes Craven and why it is that you've liked his movies or have enjoyed his movies or whatever. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that can be at Scream101podcast at gmail.com. Yes, please. I beg of you. <laughs> yeah, please. We, we would love to. And we would we'll definitely include your clips in the show if you do choose to send anything. The specific movies we'll be discussing are Scream, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Last House on the Left. Not in that order, though. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, but now let's make our guesses. What do you think is going to happen in Bride of Frankenstein? Came out in 1935, four years after this one. Creature is going to get some play. <laughs> All right. I mean, fair enough guess. Yeah. You think it's going to be anything like Bride of Chucky? Um, maybe. Catherine Heigl's going to be in it? I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but I do think. The creature's going to get some play. Okay. Because wasn't Bride of Chucky kind of styled after that? I mean, yeah. But we will catch up with that in, well, I guess two months. (laughs) So see you then. um, But also see you in three weeks? 
After whatever. Yeah, see you in three weeks for the beginning of our miniseries. All right. Bye. Bye. Good luck on your journey. Stay gold. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart.